Welcome to Stolaroid Stories, a podcast that will help you improve your English through inspiring conversations and personal stories. I'm Fabio Cerpelloni, I'm a professional English teacher. Welcome to the show. Ready? Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Stolaroid Stories. How are you? I've just been outside to try to make my neighbor's dog stop barking because this dog barks all day. When my neighbor is not at home, he barks all day from nine to five. It's like it's like a job. He's got a nine to five barking job and uh, I don't know if you can hear it now, but whew, that's why I love cats, because they are silent. Anyway, welcome to this new episode. In this episode, you're going to hear a great conversation between me and Craig Wieland from Inglés Podcast. Craig is an English teacher. He's a very experienced English teacher. He's been teaching for decades. He's based in Spain. And we're going to talk about the intermediate plateau, smart goals. You're going to hear me talk about my first lesson at the British Council Italy. And Craig is also going to share his experience, his personal story about moving to and living in Spain. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Listen until the end because at the end of the episode I'm going to focus on some language that Craig used in the conversation. All right, get ready now because it's story time. Hello, Craig. Welcome to Stolaroid Stories. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much, Fabio. It's a pleasure to be here. All right, Craig. So uh, you're an English teacher, a very experienced English teacher. Would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Maybe you could tell us your life story in 60 seconds. I will try. My life story in 60 seconds. I was born in London in the UK. I travelled quite a lot in my formative years, in my early years. I ended up in Valencia, Spain in 1997 and started teaching English for the British Council. 25 years later, I'm still here, married to a Spanish lady, still teaching English, and I'm still enjoying teaching English very much. I'm also a podcaster, and I enjoy creating material for the internet. That's great. Is that a minute, Fabio? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you ended up in Valencia. What brought you to Valencia? My family. My parents, my sister, my brother-in-law all retired more or less around the same time. And they bought a house down the coast, south of Valencia. And I was traveling at the time. I was working abroad and I had to choose between going to London and moving in with a friend mm -hmm. <laughs> or coming to Spain and being close to my family. And because I'd been traveling around for a while, I thought, oh, it's time to to be close to the family and Valencia was the nearest city where I could find a job teaching so here I am obviously I think you speak fluent Spanish right 
I get by. I get by, which means I manage. Mm. I can do okay. I, I've never been happy with my Spanish. Mm. It's work in progress. And uh, after 25 years, in my opinion, as a, as a teacher, mm. it should be a lot better. But there you are. Mm. Why is it not? Good question. I think I've reached an intermediate plateau, and I think you've spoken about that intermediate plateau in, in previous podcasts. It's where you get to a level where on a day-to-day -day basis you can handle and manage ordering in restaurants, mm. maybe dealing with some light bureaucracy, chatting to the neighbor. Mm. But what I really should do and should have done in the past is read more newspapers read books in spanish take my spanish to a higher level and i still have holes and grammar mistakes with tenses and uh, a lack of vocabulary which, which is a shame but um it, it, it is what it is uh, maybe one day if i if i get the motivation i'll go back to the books and i need to improve my my grammar to the next level mm, yeah i think it's um it's a question of motivation here because maybe you don't really, I don't know, I'm just asking, maybe you don't really need to speak advanced Spanish. So you think, well, I can get by, as you said, I can manage basic conversations and I can get things done with the language. So why, I mean, it's not a priority. I think you're absolutely right. I don't need to improve the level of my Spanish. And I remember in the early days when I was learning Spanish, there was something about the music, the sound of Spanish, certain expressions that I really found interesting and fascinating. And just a few days ago, I came across, I found by accident, uh, a video on YouTube with somebody speaking basic Japanese, teaching Japanese. And I was fascinated by how to say words like, hello, how are you, good morning, very, very basic stuff. And then I had a flashback. I remembered when I first came to Spain and I started learning those very basic words and expressions. And that's not there for me anymore. I don't have that fascination with the language mm. that I think you need, that motivation. Mm. Yeah. That's the problem. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've actually written about this in, in one of my blog posts, uh, that if you don't really need it, if you if you don't perceive the need, like I want to learn, I, I've always wanted to learn a third language, but it's something like, like you said, one day, you know, or I should do this, but actually, well, no, I... I'm not interested, so I should stop saying I want to learn a third language and focus on something that I really want to do. What would you say to a student who feels that, you know, they, they don't know how to make further progress? So I, I can get by with the language. I know how to say, you know, I, I know how to have a conversation. I can have a conversation quite well. But a lot of students feel, they feel they, 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 there's still more to learn. There, there is, they know a lot, but they, they're not there yet. Right? They feel, this is not how I really want to speak, because there are still certain things that I can't express. And um, this makes me feel a little bit, you know, it's frustrating 
I've been studying for years, I've been having conversations for years, I practice, I do this, this and that, but still I can't express myself as if English was my first language. So I can't make further progress and I don't know what to do because I, I have students like that. Like, what should I do now? What would you say to them? Well, I don't know if you've heard or the audience have heard of SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T, mm. goals that need to be time sensitive. They need to be measurable. So every person has to have their finish line. And I think you might agree with me, Fabio, that you don't wake up one day and say, I now know English. There is nothing more to learn. Mm. I learned a new word yesterday mm -hmm. while I was teaching class with a student. Mm. So we're constantly learning. And in order not to get that frustration, you have to write down a smart goal. So this time next year, I will be able to begin a podcast in English and speak fluently and interview other guests. That is my goal for next year. Now, if you do that mm. and your podcast sounds okay, you've reached your goal. Or you can make it even more focused and say, I want to pass the C2 exam. Mm. And if you pass that and you're still not happy, you can pass a translating, translating exam as a translator, which is even higher than C2. So you can set these goals, and when you, but you can't ever say that you now know English. Mm -hmm. What is a true bilingual person? It's probably somebody that spent <laughs> maybe 25 years in Spain like me, <laughs> and, it's still not, and it's still not true. So I don't, I don't know if I have an answer for you. But do you, do you see where I'm coming yeah. from? You have, to, you have to set your goal and then go towards it, and when you reach your goal then maybe you can lose that frustration because you've reached your goal. Yeah. So SMART goals, uh, it's, it's an acronym, right? It's um, sensitive. Right. No, not sensitive. What, what, what's the... I don't know if you remember. I know it must be... I know oh, no, M is measurable. Yeah. Um, let me Google it for a second. Yeah. Because S is I specific. Always, I always forget. Specific. Specific, measurable, uh, achievable or attainable. Reachable uh, and time sensitive, hmm, time, time bound, or time yeah. based, time bound. Yeah, so it must be specific. You can't say, I mean, you can, but you shouldn't say, um, I want to learn English. That's not specific. Or I want to um, lose weight. Lose weight, yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want to lose weight. Well, what does that mean? I want to lose weight. You want to lose a, ki lose a kilo in 10 years? Is that what you mean? You have to, how much weight do you want to lose? Exactly. When do you want to lose it by? How are you going to do it? And is it a realistic goal? Is yeah. it achievable? Yeah, I think uh, giving a number, like having a number will make it very specific. Like I want to learn five words a week, let's say. That's a very specific. Mm -hmm. It's achievable because five words really is not that much. But uh, let me stop you, Fabio. What does it mean to know a word? Ah, well, we could talk about can you, this. Can you spell it? Can you pronounce it? Can you mm. use it in collocation? Can you know all its forms? Mm. Uh, what dependent prepositions might it have? That's a complicated question, mm. what knowing a word is. Mm. Collocations. Uh yeah, what does it mean to know a word? 
Well, some phrasal verbs have three or four uses, three or four meanings, idiomatic and literal. So it's not a, it's not an easy thing. Yeah, but for a learner, like I can say, like before, you said I learned a new word yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that you, like, did you discover something new about that word? Or was it a completely... No, no, a completely new word. It was in a film clip that I showed my students. Uh-huh. We were practicing a dialogue and it was micticate. Do you know what micticate means? Micticate? Yes. No, I've never heard of it. Neither, neither did I, and I'm a native speaker. It means to urinate. Micticate, oh wow, it's a very useful word. Yeah. Very useful. I've never heard it before, so obviously it's not useful <laughs> because I, in, in, in my 59 years, I've never heard it. So I don't know how useful it is, but it's strange that it's appeared in a film, a film clip. It was in The, um, the Big Lebowski, one of my uh-huh. favorite films by the Coen brothers, and it means to urinate. Is it a medical term or...? or? I suppose so. Mm. I suppose it's a medical term or just mm. an alternative, very formal way of mm. urinating. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, the point is we're constantly learning. And mm. uh, language is sometimes very difficult to pin down, isn't it? It's very difficult to, to have those concrete goals. You can, you can lose weight, set your kilos or your pounds, <laughs> mm. and jump on the scale. And you can see by the reading on the scale, of course, if it's accurate what what you weigh but how can you how can you test language if it's not by taking an exam or by saying i want to be able to function in this particular situation i want to be able to renew my driving license in my second language for example mm. i think i think you have to measure it you you need to have an in- internal testing system like you can take an exam but really it's the real world that tells you if you if you can speak well or not and you you feel it like when i when i was a learner of english i'm still a learner of english but when i was a student of english let's say i knew that i couldn't have certain conversations because just i didn't have the words or the vocabulary or or the confidence to to have certain conversations and that meant that i still had to make progress but then when you when I got to a certain level, I thought, okay, I, I feel that now, you know, I, I think I've reached a pretty good level and I'm, and I'm very confident about the way I communicate. And that was the, the indicator that I, I, was, I was good at, at speaking English, at communicating. You can take an exam, as you said, and I took many in the past. And they are very helpful, very useful also to generate motivation. Um, I don't know. Do you agree with this? Like that the, the real world is the real, is the ultimate exam that you need to take. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that up to a point. How did you feel? Cause, because to be accepted as a British Council teacher and to get to the level that you reached is not easy for somebody who doesn't have English as their first language. How did you feel when you started to teach it? Did you feel insecure? Did you feel confident? Did you feel mm. that you had reached that level and you were ready to pass your knowledge on to students? Do you remember your first classes? My first class, 
I felt quite inadequate at the beginning because they were all Italians. They were all Italians. And I thought that they were not um, ready to trust me because, you know, mm -hmm. he is Italian. He's not English. Like, we are at the British Council. So you weren't doubting yourself. You were doubting their perception of what a teacher mm, should be. Mm, yeah, yeah. More than Interesting. Yeah. But as a teacher, then, you know, I, um, I had a mentor at the, Brit at the British Council, and she said to me, if anyone says anything to you about not being a native speaker, just come and talk to me, you know, and... and uh, and we'll we'll mm -hmm. talk to these people because really I was teaching B one B one A two students so they shouldn't complain. <laughs> this person said they shouldn't complain because you know especially but didn't at this you level. Also mm. But didn't you also teach IELTS at, at one point? Yeah, yeah. I, oh well, IELTS was uh, the first IELTS class <laughs> was a disaster. Not a disaster, but not the lesson. Like I was a disaster. I thought, my God, I had engineers. I had. Um, uh, university professors in the class and I thought how am I going to prove to these people that I'm I'm good enough but once you know mm. then I think it's more you need to make a, a, a personal connection an emotional connection with them and that's why I like storytelling <laughs> if you can connect with them on a personal level then they trust you that's that's how I yeah I managed uh, my first and second IELTS class at the British Council, Milan. Uh, but really, they and they were very advanced students. Some of them had, like, I think some of them spoke better English than, than I did. And that's very, it's very hard for a teacher because you, you, you feel, what can I teach you? I don't, but it was an IELTS class, so it was different. Yeah. Craig, you have a picture. You brought a picture about... I have, I, have, I have two. Two pictures, right. And you have one or two stories to tell. It's the, it's the same story. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it's a picture. Tell us a, li a little bit about this picture first. Okay. Well, first of all, I, I suggest people go and look at the picture, which I, I'm guessing you'll put on, on the website. Yeah. yeah, it will be. FabioCherpelloni.com. Yeah. So go and have a look at the picture, and you'll see me standing in my, in my flat here in Valencia, the flat I've lived in for 25 years. It's a small flat, and you can see me standing in the office area. The flat is basically just one room and a small bedroom somewhere else, but it's just one room where we eat our food, watch TV, relax on the sofa, and what you can see in the photo is my work area. And this photo on the surface pretty much shows the kind of person I am. I, I like being at home. I've got my things around me in the background. You can see my teaching files. There are some dictionaries, my English teaching books in the cupboards. And to the right of the picture, my podcasting equipment, my microphones that I keep covered with, with covers so that the dust doesn't go inside and my mixer is just out of the shot and my comfortable desk chair. So this basically sums up who I am in, in Valencia. But if you look at me, I'm standing there 
with a stupid look on my face with a orange backpack, a small orange backpack, and I'm wearing a silly Spanish red sombrero hat, the kind of hats that tourists buy when they come and visit Spain. And why am I standing there like that? Why am I wearing the hat? Why, why have I got shoes on? Well, this is just before I flew to Mallorca last March to a lovely place on the north side of the island called Puerto Poyensa. And I went there for four days for a long weekend to meet seven English friends from the UK more precisely from Essex, which is where I was born, where I grew up in the UK. And I sent this photo to the group before I left to go to the airport. Just in case you're wondering, I did not take the hat. I left the hat in the <laughs> apartment. But I got on the plane a couple of hours later and flew to, to meet them. Now, we had really, really bad weather. It was March um, Half of Puerto Poyenza wasn't really open yet. It was too early. It was pre-season. In fact, the hotel where we stayed had opened to tourists the day before we arrived. Half of the restaurants were closed. Half of the bars were closed. The weather was terrible, as I said. Half of, well, three or four of the people in the group, my, my friends were golfers. They played golf, so they went there to play golf during the day. Two guys were cyclists, so they rented um, bikes and they went off cycling around the island. But here's the thing. Just being with these seven guys from the area where I grew up, I felt so comfortable, so at ease in the group. Now, I've got one very close friend in this group. Um, the other six guys I, I know, I've met before a few times, but I don't know them very well. But there was something about hanging out and being with these guys for four days. Something about the culture, something about the sense of humour from this particular part of the UK, the slang we were using. It's very difficult to put my finger on it, but I realised how much I missed that connection. Mm. Now, I do have expat friends in Valencia. I do have English speakers who live here who I used to teach with, who I meet occasionally. And I've also got some lovely Spanish friends here, but it's not the same. There's something indescribable about hanging out and being with people you grew up with or grew up around the culture and the language that was very, very special. And I've, even though I'm happy here in Valencia, I realized how much I missed it when I went to, to spend those four days in Mallorca. We spent a lot of time sitting around a table, just talking, making jokes, p poking fun out of one another. Um, and the other photo that I sent you is of an Indian restaurant where we had the, the meal on the last night. I took the photo and you can see the other seven friends eating a curry. We were the only people in the restaurant because there was hardly anybody around the, the small village. And the owners and the waiters practically threw us out at half past two in the morning. We had a wonderful time. And again, it's something that's missing for me mm. here in Spain. So as integrated as I am into Spanish culture here, I don't know if, for me at least, I can ever totally assimilate into an adopted culture. 
and feel completely comfortable. I don't know if you agree that you can separate a language from its culture or, or if you've had a similar experience when you lived abroad. I totally agree. I totally agree. I actually talked about this in, in the previous episode about the connection between language and culture. And I felt the same when I was abroad in Australia and New Zealand because you're right, it's, it's different. The way, the, way the, uh, the people socialize, the kind of conversation you have, it's different. It's completely different. And I can't imagine living in a country like you did, like living in a foreign country for that long, like 25 years in Spain, <laughs> Uh, yeah. away from from your native culture that must be i don't know i don't i don't know if it's hard for you but as you said it's it's um you, you miss something right you're missing something of your own culture and how do well, you what, that's mm, sorry go ahead no, so how do you uh what's the word reconciliate that is that the right word yeah yeah, how do I come to ter come to terms with it? Well, uh, it was important for me to to talk about this because it is probably the one big thing I miss about the UK: friends and culture, and some mm. of the language, and the banter, b a n t e r. Mm. I don't know if you know that word, going backwards and forwards, and the banter mm -hmm. of, of exactly where you're from in a particular area, and mm -hmm. very very few things. I miss very very few things about the UK I certainly don't miss the weather or the food I certainly don't miss the um, politics and, and <laughs> the uh, especially recently and the um, mm. and actually the violence um, I've I came across a, a few incidents of violence growing up and um, the aggression that some British people have the racism I certainly don't miss so there are lots of things. I'm very, very happy to be here in Spain, but there, there are that particularly that cultural, those cultural roots uh, I do miss. And it was such a lovely time just to, to hang out with with people and identify with with where they're from. And do you do this often with your friends? Like, do you meet maybe once a year or twice a year? Well, they've been doing it for a while because those seven guys, they pretty much went to the same school. And because I was very friendly with one of them in particular, he's a, he's a lifelong friend pretty much. Um, they, mm. They've kind of accepted me into their group. Uh, that was the first trip. No, they came to Valencia. They came to Valencia. So we, we spent three or four days and I showed them Valencia a few years ago. But they have been away a few times together without me, and I don't know if we'll be going away again next year. Obviously, there are some financial considerations at the moment in the UK with the way the economy is going, so I don't know if um, maybe it'll be just down to the coast in Essex, half an hour from where they live, to uh, get away from the family for a weekend and just hang out with the guys, perhaps. Who knows? So if, if you... Like, do you still feel... British or no? Sorry, that's the, that's the stupid question. the The question is, after twenty five years in Spain, do you feel that part of you is Spanish now, or do you still feel as a as a person who moved from the UK to Spain? 
Yeah, no, I feel very much a, a person who's moved from from the UK mm. to Spain, an immigrant, yeah, an expat. An uh, I've adopted the siesta. I love the food. I had a paella <laughs> last Sunday. In some respects, I, I feel very comfortable with Spanish culture. I had a lovely paella with Spanish friends and and spoke in half Spanish and half Valenciano, which is the, the local dialect here. So mm -hmm. I felt very comfortable with that. But yeah, I still very much, I'm always the Brit in any group of Spaniards. I'm the British guy. Okay. And that's okay. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Okay, okay. And you teach mainly Spanish students or do you have international students? When I taught at the British Council here in Valencia, obviously they were all local, they were all from here, it was face-to-face, -face. and mm -hmm. I started a website in 2001 that was aimed at Spanish speakers, so we attracted people on the website from Latin America as well, and Spanish speakers all over the world. The podcast has some very limited Spanish in it, but we also have listeners from all nationalities, and at the moment, teaching online it tends to be predominantly Spanish, although I've had students from uh, the Czech Republic, from Hungary, Brazil, Italy, <laughs> many other countries mm -hmm. uh, around the world. So I'm kind of branching out now, thanks to the internet and teaching other nationalities. And that's really interesting as well. Okay. So where, um, where can people find you? Like you have a website, you have a podcast. Um, because I will put all these links in the show notes. Yes, if you'd, you... like, if you'd like to listen yeah. to, the, to the podcast, you can go to inglespodcast.com, I-N-G-L-E-S, L-E, sorry, let me start again, I-N-G-L-E-S, podcast.com. You can listen on the website, you can listen wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're interested in courses, go to englishmasterclass.net where you'll be able to sign up on the email list and I'll send you information about conversation courses and other courses that I'm doing. That's great. So the podcast and your website. Do you have social media? I do. On It's a bit complicated. If you go to mansioningles.com, which is the Spanish-speaking website, that there are links there to the various uh, other social media websites, so Facebook, Twitter... If you want to reach me on Twitter, at MansionTwit. You can find me at MansionTwit on Twitter. Okay, okay. I'll put all these links and all this information in the show notes. All right, Craig, uh, it was great chatting to you. I think we had quite an interesting conversation about language, culture, and um, the intermediate plateau. Yeah. Uh, what it means to know a word because no one has really asked me that question before uh it was great to have you on the thank show you. great to be here and uh thank you for joining and uh i'll see you around yes thank you very much fabio it was uh, really really fun talking to you take care great bye bye craig bye 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 All right, that was me with Craig Wheeland. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope you found it useful. Now, before I focus on an expression that Craig used 
in our conversation. I just want to remind you that if you want to study English with me, if you want to improve your speaking with me, I have a speaking program that will help you improve your fluency, improve your accuracy, improve your pronunciation. You send me recordings of yourself speaking and I give you lots and lots of feedback. You can take this program for four weeks, but you can also extend it. Everything is in the show notes if you'd like to be one of my students. I also have a book club. I'm going to open a book club soon, the Story Worthy Book Club. If you want to know when that is open, you can join my newsletter where you can also get free tips and free stories and free guidance. So it's a way to be more in contact, more closer to each other. All right, now let's have a look at an expression that Craig used in our conversation. At some point, Craig said banter. Banter. Let's listen. It was important for me to to talk about this because it is probably the one big thing I miss about the UK, friends and culture and some of the language and the banter, B-A-N-T-E-R, I don't know if you know that word, going backwards and forwards and the banter of, of exactly where you're from in a particular area. All right, the word banter. This is a word that I came across for the first time in Australia in 20. 13, and it was used by a girl from Wales. This girl was in the hostel with me, and I got really angry with this girl because she said something to me that I perceived as like an insult. I can't remember what it was, but I remember that she said something, and I felt insulted. And then she said, come on, Fabio, this is just banter. And I thought, what, what the hell are you talking about? What's banter? Banter basically means friendly remarks. Okay? You know when you hang out with your friends and you make fun of each other, but you make fun in a friendly way, you know? You just, it's a way to, to show your friend that you like them by making fun of them. Okay, so this is what banter is. And this is what Craig misses, because Craig is missing that part of his culture and he, he's missing um, his friends and the banter that he can have with his friend. Check it out. The definition is in the show notes. If you like this episode, guys, in the show notes, you will also find a way to help me for free, of course, and you will find... A little list of things that you can do to help me for free, like share the podcast, tell a friend, all these things. Write a review. It's all in the show notes. In next episodes of Stolaroid Stories, I'm going to have other guests, a teacher from Australia. I can't wait. I can't wait to interview Tanya from Australia. Finally, an Australian speaker on the podcast. And um, who else? Oh, a U.S. Army veteran is jumping on this podcast, so don't miss out. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I hope that you will join the next episode of Stolaroid Stories with another true story. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.